Support the podcast by buying a copy of The Force of Destiny by Eric Kent Edstrom, available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Apple, anywhere ebooks are sold. The whole series is also available in paperback. If you are enjoying the podcast, well, tell a friend and also leave a glowing five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 8. Spoiled Apples There was no conversation on the walk to the library. The woman kept up a fast pace, her head never once turning even a fraction of an inch. The library was silent. The sensual must have worn slippers, for her feet made no sound upon the tiles. Kyla's heavy shoes clomped with every step, sending short-lived echoes through the high-ceilinged main hall. She'd never been in a library this size before. The one in the Starside Novitiate's ward held perhaps a thousand volumes. This one had ten times that many. The tomes rested on shelves all around, most secured by drooping brass chains. A few novitiates and sensuals were bent over books at tables under the light coming through a dome of clear glass in the ceiling. On the third level up, behind a set of carved mahogany doors, was the voluptuary's residence. Thine motioned them in, but did not follow. They found a luxuriously appointed apartment, thick rugs on the tile floor, a spread of windows, all open to admit the sea breezes, white filmy curtains fluttering like ghostly dancers. An enormous bed occupied one side of the chamber, canopied and laden with fringed pillows. A desk and sitting area congregated on the opposite side. But in the middle stood an enormous copper tub, supported upon a brass platform, the feet wrought into the shape of dragon claws. Kyla had once seen a dragon, so she recognized those claws right off. A woman reclined in the water, eyes closed, while two novitiates dipped cups in the water and gently poured streams over the woman's head. The woman in the tub was saggy and pale. Her face drooped at the sides like a bullhound's cheeks, lower lip protruding and sagging as she took deep breaths through her mouth. Voluptuary, Quinn said. We arrived at Docktown today. We have letters of introduction— the woman's eyelids lifted a fraction, showing watery, pale gray orbs rimmed with red. Kyla well knew the signs of too much trez. The woman was a drunken sot. Girls, the voluptuary said, desist with the water. The novitiates desisted, backing away a pace and tilting their heads forward to stare at their feet. They froze like that, living statues. Give me your letters, she said, holding up a dripping hand. Quinn handed them over. The woman put one in her mouth while she broke the seal on the other. She scanned the writing, then dropped the parchment into the water. The first one came out of her mouth and got the same treatment. Starside, voluptuary Marnie Sinlop. Did you know I was a novitiate with her? She was partnered with that moron, ghoul's boy. Ghoulsoy, Kyla said. What did I say? Never mind. Rules of princes. She fished the now waterlogged letter from her bath and balled them in her hands. All these years, not a great house in the world has sent a boy or a girl to study here. Years of my life meeting and cajoling them to do so. 
nothing. Nothing. And now? Four in the span of a few months, and not a one of them expected or wanted. She threw the wad on the floor. It landed with a wet splat at Kyla's feet. The way of Till has a hundred under the rules. The highest himself told me a hundred. Is it any surprise the way of Till holds so much sway in the world? Girl, bring me my cup. A novitiate went to a side table and poured something into a goblet. The voluptuary took it and drank it all down. Excellent. The voluptuary gets the finest. I always knew that. My foolish predecessor didn't drink Trez. She was too good for it. All those years she could have done, but she didn't. And the greater insult, she sent me away year after year to recruit novitiates. Bring back the orphans, Gilly, she'd say to me. Bring back the little sparks. Ah, for what purpose? You bring girls here to worship the goddess and say the prayers and maybe, maybe find one who could light a candle with her pathetic mercocene spark. I don't suppose either of you possess the knack. No, I didn't think so. The seeker would have dragged you to Till's Tower if you had. Carla was very grateful she'd maintained her mercus mask and frustrated. She'd agreed to come to the garden in part, to increase her skill. But sensual fine and the voluptuary had not engendered much confidence. The woman handed her cup back to the novitiate. But now I hold the position I always deserved. Voluptuary. I earned it. Not like you two trollops born into everything you've got. Ugh. We've come a long way, Quinn said through gritted teeth. We are here to learn but I was surprised that no sensual met us at the dock. Didn't know you were coming. She pursed her lips and leveled her watery gaze on Quinn's gown. Probably wouldn't have bothered if I had. Kyla nudged Quinn, who was again reaching for her blade. The seeker you mentioned tried to drag us off, Kyla said. He claimed that anyone coming here under the rules of princes should be forced to Till's tower. Better the seeker and his boys had succeeded. Why do I need spoiled apples like you two? Kyla was going to have to tackle Quinn if this woman kept provoking her like this. Madam Voluptuary, perhaps you ought to rest. We can return when you are better able to. You will return when I summon you, not before. Sensual Thine will see to your studies. You will not speak to any novitiate unless she permits it. Sensual Thine had appeared behind them. Come, girls. When they didn't respond immediately, she snapped her fingers. Come! Sensual Thine led them back to the prince's ward. Confine yourselves to your rooms. Food will be brought. I will come daily for your lessons. Now, I will inspect your things. While they had been with the voluptuary, the cartman had come and gone. Quinn's furniture and chests were stacked in the front of the ward. Quinn chewed her tongue so hard Kyla thought she'd start spitting blood. But with Kyla's help, the Radiant's daughter managed to keep her composure while the sensual poked through all her clothing. I heard you both had blades, Thine said. I don't find them here, so where are they? 
Novitiate Hannah told us we could not keep them, Carla said, so we threw them into the jungle. They were mostly ornamental anyway. Thine made a lot of disgusted noises as she inspected the fine clothes. Every once in a while she would deliver a judgment. Quinn's small clothes got a disgraceful, and her hairbrush, pins, and innumerable bits and bobs for decorating her hair were pronounced frivolous. Once done, Thine had found nothing worthy of confiscation. She turned to Kyla. And where are your things? Lying to authority came as easily to Kyla as breathing. Oh, some of those things you just fondled were mine. That's all we brought. She hoped the woman hadn't remembered her backpack, which she tossed onto a corner chair in her room. Apparently the woman had not spied it, for she gave both girls another once-over, sniffed sharply, and marched away. Kyla had never felt so openly detested. Even proper grissensider contempt was no match for this woman's outright hate. As soon as the woman left, Nax crawled from under Kyla's bed. She smells strange. How so? Cats didn't have the same sense of sweet, sour, and bitter as people did, but Nax shared the smell so that Kyla could experience it. And it was odd, metallic and bitter. We have to leave, Quinn said. She stood at Kyla's back door, arms crossed. And go where? Kyla didn't disagree with her friend, but she didn't see they had many choices at the moment. Seahound is gone. Besides, we need to talk to Rajan and Henley and find out what in Kill's name is going on here. Quinn huffed and hiked up her skirts. She pulled black from her thigh sheath and started tossing it. She timed her comments with the tosses, for the instant the blade hilt touched her palm, her voice went silent whether or not she was done talking. There is something very off here, Flip. I can smell it, Flip. Can't you, Flip? Nax sure can, Kyla said. Quinn tossed the blade again. Regent is scared to talk in, Flip. The voluptuary is drunk, Flip. Sack of flesh with no sense, Flip. At all, Flip. Do you feel safe here, Flip? Because I sure don't. Triple flip. Nax watched with interest as Quinn's blade flipped into the air and returned to the woman's hand, her head jerking up and down with each toss. She meowed and jumped onto Kyla's bed to get a closer view. Let's talk to the boys, Kyla said. If they haven't fled the island, it must not be that easy to do. There are fishing boats, flip, all over, double flip. We'll find a captain, flip, and pay him to take us over to, flip, Anso Island where we can, flip, by passage. To emphasize her frustration, Quinn made her final catch and hurled the blade to thunk into a bedpost. Nax leapt at Black as it wriggled from the impact. It came free and clattered to the tile. Nax chased after, but Quinn snatched her up by the scruff. Leave it! Nax hung there, looking sullen, fore and hind legs limp, tail curled under, ears flat. Quinn, Kyla said, voice barely a whisper. Put Nax. Down. Quinn swallowed and gently set Nax on her feet. A war raged on her face, making her brows scrunch in the middle, then sag at the sides. She bit her lower lip and offered Kyla the most apologetic look she'd ever seen. I'm sorry, Nax, Quinn said, stroking the animal head to tail. I'm sorry, Kyla. I don't know what came over me. She stooped and collected black and returned it to the sheath. Yes, you do, Kyla said. Quinn paled with shame. 
but she said nothing as she left Kyla's room. The sound of her door quietly shutting stayed with Kyla for a long while, like an echo repeating too many times.